Pastor Xavier Reese says, the same glory and might of the God of heaven is the one by our side. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, in being near to God, having fellowship with God is the protection. Not in the environment, not in the surroundings, but in you being close to God and God being close to you. That's where it's at. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The earth be moved, the mountains carried, the waters roar, the mountains shake. A Psalm of the Sons of Korah, Psalm 46, considers the most frightening, humbling natural phenomenon imaginable, but then makes the reasoned estimation that God was greater than them all. Pastor Xavier continues a verse-by-verse study series of the Psalms today by offering confidence in God's protection and power. Join us now for some encouraging words from a very present help in time of trouble today on Simple Truths. Psalm 45. It's a psalm to the chief musician again, um, an instruction once again of the sons of Korah. It's a love song or a wedding song for the king of Israel. It's uh, called one of the royal psalms, um, having a twofold application to the king at that time and ultimately to the king, Jesus Christ, who will come and wed his bride himself. And so uh, it's messianic in nature. Verse 1, we have the introduction of the intent. Verses 2 through 9, we have the bridegroom described. Verses 10 through 15, the bride is described. Verses 16 through 17, the blessing declared. And so he says in verse 1, My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer or a skillful writer. So there's your introduction. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, Almighty One, with your glory and your majesty. And in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. And so here in these verses we have a call to praise and to adore the king, the groom. This most likely was the result of, and in his wedding, to one of his wives. Ultimately, that will be fulfilled as Christ returns for his bride. In verse 5, he says, Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Verses 6 and 7, you have quoted in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, where God the Father calls Jesus Christ God. Doubting Thomas calls Jesus Christ God. God. The last verse of 1 John calls Jesus Christ God. Jesus Christ himself said he was God. It's amazing how often people say Jesus Christ 
is not God. And it's plastered all over the scriptures. Here in the Old Testament prophetically, in fulfillment quoted in the book of Hebrews, God the Father calls Jesus God. And so it is messianic in nature, prophetic of Jesus Christ. In verse 9 he says, Kings, daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophar. Listen, O daughter, speaking to the bride. Consider thee and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. You know, it is interesting that though women today do not like to acknowledge it or anything, with all the women live. But the psalmist is saying here that the woman is to forget where she came from and that she is being exalted to a higher place because of who her husband is. If you study history and cultures, you will find a common denominator that a man can always marry any woman and declare his love for her. And he will exalt her to his level, his position socially, economically, and people will honor her. But a woman never exalts a man to her position. Study history. Study culture. It is the man who gives the exalted place to the woman. For the woman was made for the man. Christ is the head of the bride. Christ chooses his bride. The bride has nothing worthy of herself. Christ makes her worthy by giving her his name. And so the parallel, the woman to the man. And so the psalmist cries out, forget your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. And the daughter of Tyre will be there with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughters in all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. In other words, everybody's going to look up to you. And so uh, whenever you see societies that begin to exalt womanhood and you begin to have women in authority positions running the country, running the homes, it's... Um, it's really a detriment to society. Are they inferior? Never. Women, you are very precious. Very precious. And no one has liberated you more and exalted you more than the person of Jesus Christ. Again, study history, study cultures, and you watch when countries started going off and problems starting socially and everything else, and you will always find the common denominator that women begin to be put in positions where it was only created for men. Study it well. Be a good student of history. If you don't study history, you'll fall for the same mistake. And so the psalmist here brings this principle out in a way. Verse 13 says, The royal daughters and all the glorious within the palace, her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes and many colors. The virgins, her companions, who follow her shall be brought to you. A woman who wore a coat of many colors was, was the declaration that she was a virgin. Remember, Absalom raped his, his sister, 
and she ripped her coat, which represented her virginity. And so here she comes with purity to her husband. With gladness and rejoicing, they shall enter the king's palace. Instead of your father shall be your sons. Here's the blessing. You'll have children, the fruit of the womb, the union of a husband and wife, sons, whom you shall make princes in all the earth. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people shall praise you forever and ever. And so, uh, the royal psalm in the day of the king's wedding, the ultimate fulfillment is Christ as he marries his church. You have the picture in the book of Revelation chapter 19 throughout the scriptures. Uh, Jesus spoke in parable forms of weddings. So many different uh, things that pointed to that. Psalm 46. It's a psalm to the chief musician of the sons of Korah again. It's a song of Alamoth, which is believed to mean a soprano voice. It's a trilogy of praise. This is the first of three. Two to follow after this one. Uh, they are joined together. It has come to be known as Luther's Psalm, as the inspiration for his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's a psalm of confidence in God's ultimate triumph. It's apocalyptic in nature, as God subdues all things, the end days. Verses 1 through 3, you have confidence in God's protection. Verses 4 through 7, you have confidence in being close to God. Verses 8 through 11, you have confidence in God's power, established His kingdom. Verse 1, he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah, pause. And so here the cry of confidence. You know, it's interesting how people freak out with natural disasters. We're into a lot of that today. Um, I remember years back um, in the mid-80s they were talking about the big earthquake and that uh, California was going to break off and go into the ocean. And um, people took it seriously. They sold their houses and left. You know, it's terrible to be led by fear and superstitions. When you come to the Lord, you know, you know you're in the Lord's hands. And if you live in a place and everybody's freaking about different things, you know, you can just rest. I mean, if you want to move, you can move. But um, if it's going to be your time, God's going to get you anyway. Now, am I saying that you shouldn't avoid danger? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about long shots, like people being freaked out about the earthquake or about this and that. Where are you going to go? I mean, where are you going to find in the world where you're safe? <laughs> You see, our problems have not become nationwide, but they're global. Tonight, war can break out in the Middle East. We live under tension. And yet, if I wasn't a Christian, I mean, you can just freak out. There are so many problems in the world, the ozone, the greenhouse effect, 
taxes and smog and cholesterol and, you know, uh, the stuff they're spraying all over. And I mean, you know, just enjoy the ride. I mean, you know, be concerned, be wise, but you've got to trust and rest in God. Verse 4, he says, There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. Rivers are spoken very much through Scripture. They're symbolic of God's power, of God's purifying agency, if you will. Zechariah 4.8, Ezekiel 47 speaks about that river that will come forth from Jerusalem. It'll heal the Dead Sea. It'll go out to the Mediterranean. Uh, Revelations 22 speaks of the river and fruit on either side. And, and there's always that, that symbolism of water because water has power and has a cleansing agency and it's fresh and it's clear and it's always used through Scripture all the time. And so here he speaks of that river whose stream shall be glad in the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. <laughs> they say that it's the darkest time. God comes through. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice. The earth melted. Verse 6 really describes the end of the age. Even beyond the millennial reign. After the white throne judgment when Peter chapter 3 describes the destruction of the earth, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. When everything will melt, God will redo everything. The kingdoms rage, Psalm 2. Why do the heathen or the nations rage and imagine a vain thing as they're there in the valley of Megiddo trying to defeat God from establishing His kingdom? How foolish. The scriptures tell us He will laugh at them. He will have them in derision. The book of Revelation tells us there will be blood bridled deep to the horse's mouth for 250 miles at least in that day. I wouldn't want to be there. You know, so, I mean, there's so much um, to just take our, um, our peace of God. But in that day, He's just going to let everything go. Colossians says that he, everything consists in Him. The word, Greek word is everything is held together by Him. And all He's going to say is like He said, light be, He's going to say, okay, let go. In the nucleus of the atom, they don't know why the particles hold together. The scientists call it, uh, I believe, nuclear glue or something like that. Uh, they don't understand why. But Colossians tells us God holds it all together. Everything around this material has the potential to explode. What's holding it together? Colossians says it's Jesus Christ. Could it be in that day Jesus says, okay, let go. Everything burned up. Everything disintegrates. I mean, stop and think about how much harder is that for God to hold it together if He created it. No big deal. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, in being near to God and having fellowship with God is the protection. Not in the environment. Not in the surroundings. But in you being close to God and God being close to you. That's where it's at. 
The sociologists continue to tell us that uh, if we put people in a good environment, we'll have a good society. You still believe that. But it's wrong. Just go to any court. Listen to some of the cases. And hear the background of some of these people. Granted that those who come from bad neighborhoods are perhaps be a little more but there's people that make commit more atrocious crimes and, and just as bad of crimes and they they come from very wealthy homes uh, what's these two brothers that killed their parents for all that money incredible why do they do it bad environment no they're just sinners that's all that's all but when man doesn't have God he seeks to explain it by what he observes the only problem is man cannot observe the heart of man. All he can observe is the behavior and the conduct. But he can never peer into the heart of man. It's a dark, dark place. And only God can search it out. He says, Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolation in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in the fire. The Old Testament scriptures speak that in that day they will uh, turn their spears um, into pruning hooks and, and, and uh, shall destroy their, their instruments of warfare. And God will turn everything to peace in that day. He'll reign on the earth. He's speaking about the millennial reign here when he's reigning. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is an interesting term throughout the Old Testament. and means the captain that really controls and commands the armies of heaven. You remember Jesus said, do you not know that I can call down legions now? I mean, one little angel went out and wiped out 185,000 in one night. What do you think a legion of angels would do? He's the host of heaven. He's a captain who commands them. At his word, as his thought, they are there. It would wipe this earth out. And so, this is the one who controls us. This is the one who's in control. This is the one who we serve. The one who is all-powerful. Psalm 47, the second of this trilogy in praise. It's a psalm of the sons of Korah again to the chief musician. It's a psalm that calls people to praise God as the ruler of the earth. It's uh, one of the enthronement psalms uh, when the king was crowned. Psalm 93 and then Psalm 95 through 100 are also enthronement psalms. It's read on the Jewish New Year seven times. Uh, the division is real simple and basic. Verses 1 through 4, you have the conquering king. Verses 5 through 9, you have the enthroned king. Again, it's a twofold application. First, to the king reigning at that time. Long term wise, the king Christ Jesus who will reign ultimately in the millennial reign. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. 
He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. The psalm says that we don't see all things yet under his feet, but he sits at the right hand of the Father until he, all of his enemies are made his footstool and put under his feet. Interesting that he mentions Jacob here, the excellence of Jacob whom he loves. You know, when I read about Jacob and that God loves him, then that gives hope for me. Because Jacob was a rat, wasn't he? God always gives us practical people we can identify with. And, and, and we look around and we say, man, there's hope. I mean, he, he loved Jacob. He was merciful to Lot. Um, I mean, I can identify with guys like that. I don't know about you. And yet if he loved Jacob, how much more does he love us? We're in the New Testament grace. We are under sonship, adoption. We have been brought right before the throne of God. They could never come before the throne of God. The high priest had to go. Interesting. Verse 5, he says, God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with understanding. <laughs> he doesn't tell us to understand all mysteries. He tells us to understand certain things, that He is King of all the earth. And for this, sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits in His holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together the people of God of Abraham for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Sometimes it seems like God's not on the throne, doesn't it? You look to our nation and you look to our world and it would seem at times that God is not on the throne. Isaiah when the days when Hezekiah died, Isaiah saw the vision of God and His throne. His glory filled the temple. And he says, Woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips in Isaiah 6. Sometimes God has to remove everything and everyone around us so that we can look up and get a vision of God. We have our eyes so much on man. Israel had their eyes on Hezekiah. And God had to remove him so they can get their eyes back on God. It's a dangerous thing to get our eyes on man. Don't get your eyes on me because I don't want God to take me home yet. You get your eyes on God. And as we look to the world today, doesn't it seem like there's a void in terms of leadership? both in the world and in the church. It seems that nobody really knows what is happening in the world today. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. It's like everybody's on pins and needles, just, but they know something's going to happen. <laughs> There's no peace, and everybody's calling out for what? Peace. Peace and safety. The scriptures declare when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them. It's a false peace. So we need to make sure that we have our eyes upon the Lord over and over and over again.
Pastor Xavier Reese, discovering a simple truth of the Psalms, that despite whatever circumstance, the God of the Bible is one who reigns over the nations and moves history towards His desired destination. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request your own CD copy of this encouraging study from a verse-by-verse study series of the Book of Psalms. Today's message is simply titled Psalms, Chapters 42 through 49, and is available for only $4 upon request. And by the way, we'll be including much more material on the CD than our limited time on the air allows. So once again, the title to ask for is Psalms, Chapters 42 through 49. Or you can always just mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more simple truths from the book of Psalms right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 